If you came, thank you for spending your uh, uh, Memorial Day Sunday with us. Uh, and if you came uh, expecting to hear Barbie teach about uh, forgive as we forgive others, you'll have to come next week because uh, this, is, this is a special week. And last week, the Lord took me a strange place because I was um, uh, teaching about give us this day our daily bread, and, I, and he took me to the prodigal son. Uh, but I think he, he took me there to put me in mind of where I needed to go this week. And I'm going to be going there extremely quickly because we have a lot of things to do. And uh, anyway, let, let's, just, let's just jump on this train. Would you stand with me? And uh, first of all, let me say that that's a girl. But I put that picture up there because not all prodigals are male. And I just want you to know, this isn't just about sons. It's about sons and daughters. Let's read a passage together from Luke. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth, in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that that you have put into each of us. I thank you for the, the grace that you have poured out upon us today. And I thank you that that grace is present here. Use it to quicken us, Lord God, so that we may hear what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, my father was a pastor. Most of you know that. My mother was a triple threat. Her, uh, her father was a pastor. She married a pastor. And before she passed away, her son was a pastor. And there's a special place in heaven uh, for people like that. And I don't know if they'll let me in to that special place or not, but that's where my mother is. Uh, and I, I was a prodigal. And so this, uh, 
this, this parable is especially meaningful to me. And during my years away from the Lord, I, I, I think I got some insight into this, um, into this particular parable. And, and the first thing is I have four things to tell you. And I'm going to do it fairly quickly because, like I say, we got some other things we're going to do. Uh, the first one is the beginning of being a parable, a parable, uh, a prodigal starts with this phrase, whether it's said verbally or whether it's simply in your heart. And, and it's this, give me my inheritance. Uh, the prodigal attitude, it's not enough to know that I have an inheritance. I want it and I want it now. Back in, uh, back in the, in the seventies and eighties, I, I seem to recall, I don't know if, if, if it was taught from the pulpit so much or if people just said it to each other, but there was, there was a phrase that actually is a pretty good phrase to live by. And it was, if it's got to be quick, it's probably not God. If it's got to be right now, then that's probably the devil trying to push you there. And, and, and if you'll keep that in mind, we'll, we'll come up with a little bit more of that here in just a, in just a few minutes. Uh, give me my inheritance. Uh, we all have an inheritance. Uh, some have some degrees of inheritance more than others. Talent. Not everybody can dance like me. Uh, uh, looks, good looks. I got a haircut this week. Um, I- intelligence, uh, thing, uh, privilege. But everybody gets the important stuff. Everybody gets life. Everybody starts out with, with, with youth. Benjamin Button is a myth. Everybody starts out with youth and, and youth, man, they got, they got that, that vigor, that energy to, to burn. I, I just spent, three days down in Florida this last week on the beach, and somebody asked me if it was relaxing. It's not relaxing when you got a three-year-old grandson on the beach with you going, can we chase now? Are you ready to chase now? Uh, and wonder. Everybody gets wonder. What a fabulous thing that is. My one-year-old grandson learned a new word this week. Excavator. It's his first four-syllable word. What an amazing thing. You've got this huge, honking, monstrous piece of equipment that can move the earth, and it's called excavator. I mean, when's the last time you were truly amazed by something? Tr- truly in, in wonder. So, so anyway, everybody, everybody has this inheritance. And one other thing about this. Whenever you say to the Father, give me my inheritance, what you're basically saying to the Father is, you go away. You go away. Second thing, after he, after he got his inheritance and he went to this, this distant country, it says after he had, had spent everything, there was a severe famine uh, in the whole country, and he began to be in need. There's always a famine in the distant country. We just don't know it till the inheritance is spent. We don't know it until the, till the youth is gone, till, 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 till the talent has been prostituted, till, uh, t- till our, our, the beauty is gone, till the wonder is gone. And no matter what the world gives you, it's poor in comparison to losing that, that sense of wonder, that, that sense of amazement. And so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. What I, su- I would like to suggest to you that there's only one citizen in that country because there's only one being to whom that country is his natural habitat, and that's the devil. And once everything is spent, if you're not going, back, going to go back to the Father, he's the only game in town. And the only job that he has for you is feeding pigs. 
Everywhere there's lots of piggies living piggy lives. Third thing, the son came to his senses and he decided to come back. And the father, the father was watching him. Now, if you've, if you've ever heard me teach on this before, you've heard me say this, but it's so good, I'm going to say it again. You know, when, uh, when, when I was a child and I would hear there's an all CNI watching you, man, that was, that was just, that was creepy. I mean, seriously. Really? But as I, as I got older and as I became a parent, I began to realize there's a big difference in what I was imagining and what reality is. If you're a parent and you got a child and they do it and they do anything and you go to see what they're doing, I mean, if they play ball, you know, there's a game going on, but it's just a game. You're there to watch that ball player and see what they're doing. If they're, if they're in the band and the band is out there marching, well, yeah, that's great. Glad the band sounds good, but that tuba player. Man, that, that's, that's the one you got your eyes on. If they're in a play, look, if you want to get a lot of people to come to a play, cast kids. Because there are people who are going to come just to see them. And the father had his eyes on, on, on the son. And the scripture says that he got up to go to his father. And his father saw him when he was far off. And he went running to him. My dad used to say, you take one step toward God, he'll take two steps toward you. But I think Jesus is saying, you take one step toward God and he will come running to you. And then finally, the fourth thing is this. The inheritance is still there. Inheritance is still there. The the son decided he was going to say to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Uh... I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That, that was what he had planned to say. And the father let him get out the first two sentences. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he stopped him right there. Quick. Go, go get the finest robe and let's put this on him. Go, go get a ring and put it, put it on his finger. And you notice it wasn't a matter of, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but I'm going to do better. I, I, I think I'm changing. I think I'm turning things around. No. No. Once you come to the realization that it's better with the Father than it is anywhere else, the inheritance is still there. Because you see, the father's not looking for servants. He's looking for sons. He's not, he's not looking for slaves. He's looking for children that he can give an inheritance to. And I know that the inheritance is still there, not only because it was for this boy in the parable, but it was for me. It was for me. And I'm not the only prodigal in the house for whom the, 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 the inheritance was still there. Wayne, would you come out? Pastor Ronnie and I... Uh... Both we share a lot of places in common, but today, in terms of last week, I heard him make that reference to prodigals in his message last week. I went, "Oh, that's where he's going." So we sort of know how to read each other that way. But his life as a prodigal and my life as a prodigal have uh, all prodigal lives have a lot of similarities because they're all unrighteous. They're all away from home. They're all, if you will, denying one's inheritance. So very briefly, 
we'll run this through. I was saved when I was nine, baptized when I was nine, when I was 12. I grew up in the Baptist church. When I was 12, I rededicated my life. If you're not Baptist, you probably don't know what that means. Can I get an amen from the Baptist in the house? Oh no, the Baptist in the house. You're not all Baptist. Can I get an amen from the Baptist in the house? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of Baptists in here. Then around 15, 16, I started unplugging from the church, which led me to about 15 years of a prodigal life. And I was sitting in Hollywood, living a really unrighteous life, uh, really unraveled away from the Lord, had been for a decade and a half. And a really strange thing began to happen. The Holy Ghost had tied a line around my heart when I was nine, when I got saved. And I I didn't know that. And if you'll think like a deep sea fisherman, you know, when they've got that big line and the reel and they're trying to catch a big marlin or something and they hook one and the marlin just takes off running. And if, if they're a trained fisherman, they just take their hands off the line and they just let it run. Well, the Holy Ghost did that for about a decade and a half. And then one day, um, sitting in a lifestyle that had nothing to do with glorifying the Father, Son, or Holy Ghost, the Spirit just took the slack up, didn't reel me in. He just pulled it taut. So I went, what's that? What I didn't know at the time was there was a deposit in my life based on the Word of God and based, uh, based on growing up in a, uh, a Bible church that had planted things in my spirit that I wasn't really aware of. So I, w- I was in a situation where um, the nature of what was happening on the planet, ecology and politics and economics and the state of the church and all the stuff that's still problematic now, was problematic in such a way that because of what I carried and how I think and how I articulate what I say, all my comrades, all my friends, all my associates were having trouble hanging out with me because I was depressing everybody. (laughs) Because I was saying stuff that was accurate, it was just awful. (laughs) This is pre-Facebook. The thing is, while that was happening, it was, it was like an uh, a electric charge came up my spine, up toward the back of my head, and a scripture would go off in my brain. This is a terrible place. Everybody acts so ungodly, and they're hateful toward each other, and there's so much fear on the planet. And up the back of my head, into my brain, was perfect love cast out all fear. And I'm going, this is the Holy Ghost. So it went on for about several days, and I realized what had happened. That, that tug I had felt was this line being pulled taut, and the Holy Ghost got my attention. So I said, I fashioned a prayer, and I said, what, what do you want? What, what's, what's this about? And the Holy Ghost said, pay attention. So for about six weeks, I'm processing my life and doing all the things I had continuing all the things I was doing. And 
for about six weeks, I just kept getting pay attention, pay attention in my spirit. Then about six weeks into that, the message changed, and the message changed to practice patience. So I fashioned another prayer, and I asked the Holy Ghost, how, how can I pay attention to you and be patient in this frenetic lifestyle, living the way I'm living with the people I'm living, pursuing the things I'm pursuing? And the Holy Ghost said, go home. Holy Ghost said, literally, go home. So I called my father and my mother, and I said, can I have my old room back? And they took me back in. And from there, after 16 years of being a prodigal, I find myself face-to-face with the potential to have my inheritance renewed that I had rejected, squandered. And the Lord led me to a church. The Lord plugged me into two specific families, the Meeks and the Cobles. Ronnie was, I'm calling him Ronnie because he wasn't a pastor then and neither was I. So Ronnie was my best man. Well, you were a pastor, actually, I guess. You're still Ronnie, right, right, but I try not to do that in public. Um, Ronnie was best man. Margaret was matron of honor, and Pastor Bruce was the co-officiant at our wedding. That was 39 years ago. Two years after that, about two years after that, I met my dear wife of 37 years, and we began to see an inheritance unfold. Family unfolded with Jennifer and Jesse. Um, missionary work unfolded. We went to Elam Bible Institute and started being trained in kingdom living and the practical realities of how that works, Alan. Yeah, right, 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 right. And then the Lord led us back, and I began to serve in lay ministry at Belmont Church for 11 years. 11 years. Pastor hit this in the first service. I I served for 11 years in lay ministry doing real work, like a real job and getting real pay and paying taxes and getting the car to run and fixing the washing machine, which you all think pastors don't do. So I did that. And then after 11 years of that, Pastor Ronnie and the Holy Ghost and I had some encounters, which led me to here. We've been here for actually 22 and a half years. Now, while we've been here, Pastor Eddie got it wrong, but that's okay. It's a long way from here to Africa. He referenced 18 to 20 years Uh, actually 13 years ago, the Lord opened up Africa and I've been 27 times. I've been ministering as a worship evangelist in six nations all that time. This is all inheritance. This is all restored inheritance. That's the point of what pastor has me up here for. This is about getting back what you thought you lost. So the back end of that, actually what he wanted me to do is share how I got to here. So that gets me to here. Now, in 2011, our son Jesse got a call from the Holy Ghost to go on the mission field. So he moved to Zimbabwe. And while he was there, he met and fell in love with my daughter and Grace sister. You don't have to clap. You can clap for this. And they're now carrying my grandson that'll be with us in August. Now, all that is in the context of what happens from here out. Could you put up that slide, please? 
This is Psalm 84, 5 through 7 from the Message Bible, of course. And how blessed are those in whom you live, whose lives become roads you travel. They wind through lonesome valleys, come upon brooks, discover cool springs, and and pools brimming with rain. God traveled these roads, curve up the mountain, and at the last turn, Zion, God in full view. The NASB says, blessed are those whose strength is in you who set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. They go from strength to strength, not strength to weakness to strength. The key to moving from strength to strength, biblically, is to set your heart on Zion. The pathway that the Holy Ghost puts you on, even if you wander off of it. Oh, some of you need to pay just a little more attention. Once the Holy Ghost gets your attention and puts you back on that highway, lock your GPS, your gospel positioning system. Lock it in and go, I'm going up to Zion regardless of what the circumstances are. So Gene and I and the family and all of us together, wherever we happen to be geographically on the planet, we need to purpose in our dedication to the Lord to follow the path that he leads before us as opposed to charting our own. Don't live your life like you're in charge. The baptisms means coming up. I'm about to open the altar up. (laughs) Live your life like you know who's in charge and live it in such a way that your life shows that you're submitted to God's sovereign will. We're not going to close with, a, with, with, a, with an altar call here, but I'm, this is what you're supposed to take away. Uh, Peter said in Acts, I have learned that God is no respecter of persons. And so what you need to carry away is, you know, you may be sitting here and you may be in a prodigal lifestyle or, or drifted into one or something, and, and you may go, well, you know, that's, that's Wayne. Uh, that's Wayne, that's Ronnie, God... Uh, that's the that's the devil talking to you, and he is a liar and the father of all lies. Your inheritance is still there. Just go home. Go home. Secondly, back in the day, we would have all day singings, and people would get up, and we would sing, "Will the circle be unbroken?" <laughs> 